0: This podcast is to discuss meaningful topics and issues from the lens of two Camaritan sisters and other diverse community leaders. Today's topic is We Are Not Silent with Ferda and Kathy. And this is a bonus episode. Welcome back to our podcast. We are your two Camaritan sisters, Melissa and Jasmine. With everything going on recently, we want to continue leading by example and discussing topics that matter. By using our platform, we also want to continue amplifying Southeast Asian female voices And today we have invited two returning guests, Kathy and Ferda, who were part of Episode 7, Building Self-Confidence as Southeast Asian American Women. So be sure to check back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. And we adore them so much that we wanted to bring them back and talk about this significant moment.
1: A lot of people really enjoyed the episode that you were a part of and we're happy to bring you back on um, for this very urgent issue in our community. So will you both say hello to our listeners? And you can also share briefly who you are for those who don't know.
2: Thanks for having me again. Um, really glad to be here and to talk with you ladies again about this really important topic. Um, my name is Kathy. I'm Vietnamese American. Just trying to get through life.
1: <laughs> Thanks for being here today. And it's not easy to talk about these things. So thank you both for being vulnerable. And I know that What you're going to be sharing will also resonate with our listeners, so the fact that you came out here today to do this with us means a lot, and that takes a lot of trust to do, Um, so thank you so much. Um, Ferda, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? My name is Ferda.
3: I'm just grateful for Melissa and Jasmine to have me to speak on this issue i am at a loss for words but um we shall see how the episode goes and hopefully i'll be able to put my words and my thoughts together but yeah i'm a mom and um, i share my time between seattle and chicago but happy to be here
0: thank you ferda we also might hear from our youngest podcaster Ever, Asata?
3: She's actually taking a nap right now. Okay, okay.
1: good timing. Yes. <laughs> Give her big hugs for us.
2: Absolutely. Thank
1: you. So, to start, and we kind of touched on it already, but everyone will get a chance to share a little bit more. How have you been feeling lately? And, Freda, if you feel comfortable, could you go first?
3: It's been heavy, and there's so much emotions that go through me and it's really difficult to come up with the words to just kind of to relay everything because it's not it's not a very easy you know it's not a very easy easy thing to talk about and um so but I'll do my best and as far as how I've been feeling it's just been such a mix of emotions and I feel fearful at times, and um, I was actually going to go out and grab some stuff and go out on an errand uh, this weekend, and then I just thought about, okay, what if this was my day and my baby's day to get hit, you know, Um, and because of that, I stayed in, and it's just, it's very messed up, but how I've been feeling just kind of scared and angry and I think that's a good way to sum it up so for now.
1: Thanks for sharing the and yeah it's really scary because we don't know where people are what they're thinking and we almost can't trust people around us even more so now and yeah just news after news we're seeing so many attacks like slurs and other like disgusting things that people are doing so I hope that things will get safer. Um, But for now, yeah, please take care of yourself and follow your gut, you know, if you don't feel like going out. Um, Yeah, and I hope, you know, if anything happens, people in our communities will help us too. Because when things happen, like we need people to help, you know, not just watch and witness things. Um, Kathy, you shared similar things with me yesterday about feeling fearful. And could you share about how you're feeling? We've been messaging each other, so I'm, I'm wondering where you're at.
2: Yeah, um, I'm really glad. You know, we've been able to talk a lot about this openly and with this podcast, too, that you guys can talk about these issues. Um, honestly, <laughs> I might be very emotional. Um, so I might mm-hmm. mute myself a lot um, Yeah, because it's it has been hard thinking about what's happening to people in our community. Um, And yeah, I've been feeling the same, like I'm scared to go out, even though I'm in a relatively safe neighborhood. I'm still worried, like, what if there is someone who, you know, is holding back those things and wants to let it out on someone like me? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, it's a lot of thinking about that and talking with my family and friends about being safe when we go out in public, if you do have to, just being more aware.
1: Thanks for sharing, Kathy. And yeah, again, it might bring up like these feelings inside, but I'm glad that we can take time today to to talk about it. Because if we keep this inside, like if we just internalize everything, that's not healthy either. And yeah, definitely take care of yourself. And I know for me, like I just have to turn off the phone at some point because it just brings up a lot of fear and anger and all of this. Um, and I hope that things will be safe for all of us and our families. I wouldn't want anything to happen to you and our families. So, yeah, please, please be aware and be safe. And I don't know, we just need, we need more love in this world, more care so that we don't have to be feeling this way. Um, how about for you, Melissa?
0: Gosh, it's like so upsetting to hear just even from Ferda mm-hmm. and Kathy talking about how they're fearing of leaving their own homes and just wanting to go out and just run normal errands and it's really sad that we've come to this point where now we're fearing for our safety the safety of our family and friends and I've been texting our mom and we're telling each other to to be safe you know when we're leaving the house and it's just that I don't know I'm just so mentally exhausted from this week and in the last bonus episode I cried and I like I'm also feeling a roller coaster of emotions just feeling angry upset you know just it's heartbreaking to hear of of people getting murdered and attacked um within our AAPI communities and I, you know, had to take a few days off from mm-hmm. like all the social media in the news because I was just overwhelmed that I started feeling, um, just I had like a massive headache and I don't know, I just had all these yeah. symptoms. But now that I'm back, like I'm, I'm motivated to add on to this important work that we're doing to keep the momentum going to protect AAPI lives and um, to stop Asian hate and when I say AAPI for our listeners, that's Asian American Pacific Islander. And I think today's episode will be very important for our listeners to get a chance to hear from four strong and outspoken women who have had unique experiences and journeys. And I I feel hopeful, you know, for our future and I feel honored to have this safe and welcoming platform to share our stories and our thoughts. Jasmine, what about you? How have you been feeling?
1: Yeah. It's similar to what you've been all feeling. Um, There's just so many different things happening. Um, Like there's a lot of community support. Like one of my colleague's son um, put together a rally over the weekend and she said 200 people showed up um, in the Chinatown area. And yeah, and it was successful, it was safe and it was positive. So During this time, there's been a lot of support on social media and things in our communities. At the same time, it's frustrating to see the news and thinking about how everyone and their families are facing or how they're feeling during this time, on top of it being a pandemic and the challenges that that brings us. Um, So I just wanna say rest in peace to the innocent lives that are being lost to racism, hate, and COVID-19. And my thoughts and Like, love is sending to those people who are being impacted by racism and hate. And just today, I saw something so disgusting happening to someone on the bus. Like, someone just urinated on a girl who was sitting on there. And I, if I, like, to empathize with people, you think about um, you being in their shoes. And for me, I would be so... Like, I wouldn't know what to do in that moment. And it's just scary to put ourselves in that situation and to also think about the trauma that, that brings on people. So I just really want people to consider their actions. Like, yes, there's you have privileges and there's history of racism in our country, but that doesn't give you an excuse to be doing things. Like, I think people have a general sense of right and wrong. So I'm just really shocked at people's behaviors right now. And yeah, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. So yeah, I guess I'm just in like like all sorts of feelings looking at the news, Um, but I would like to think that most people know right and wrong and most people do want to love people like from any background, you know, we should care for each other because life is too short and we're all humans, you know, we all want to be happy and safe. And we have families, so I just hope hope that most of the people in the world you know have that mentality um because when we see a lot of these things on the news, it's easy to feel like that's everybody, you know, or that's like I don't know, so yeah, it's just a lot of feelings going on right now.
0: well, thank you for sharing, Jasmine and thank you to Kathy and Ferda for also opening up about how they're feeling and we w- we want to be candid about this so you know, this is a safe place for us to, to open up and, you know, have an opportunity to vent. So we want to hear from from each of us. What is one stereotype about Asian Americans that you personally face throughout your life? And how has this stereotype affected Asian Americans?
1: We've talked about this before, but I want to share something in a different way. Um, so stereotype threat is the risk of confirming negative stereotypes about an individual's racial, ethnic, gender, or cultural group, which can create high cognitive load and reduce focus and performance. And this was coined by researchers Claude Steele and Joshua Aronson. And I want to bring this up because when we talk about stereotypes, it creates a lot of stress for people, for POCs, and people who are marginalized. um, Because when you have stereotypes, you're thinking about whether you're enforcing that, reinforcing that. Um, So for example, um, a stereotype about Asian-Americans that I face is being soft-spoken and agreeable and passive. And it's a weird balance between being myself and also reinforcing these stereotypes. So I feel like personally, my personality it are those things. Like I just listen more than I speak. I, you know, I have a soft voice. I, you know, I was very quiet since I was young. And this is harmful though, because when I'm in a business space or like when I'm in a meeting or when I'm meeting someone new or when someone is um, looking down on me, like I have that, I have those traits that make up those stereotypes. So if I'm quiet, people will be like, oh, yeah, that's another Asian person being quiet. You know, like I can say whatever I want and she won't do anything about it. You know what I mean? So that's something that I struggled with growing up because it is myself, but I also um, know that that's the stereotype that we have. And so I've been trying to work on that by speaking up more. Through this podcast and through teaching, I've been able to be more vocal, but it is something that I constantly think about like when um, when I'm in a group setting, I always think about like when should I say something and I need to say something before someone else say, says something that I want to say and I think that comes from like growing up kids and you know people that I would meet would just say you're so quiet like you're so quiet why are you so quiet or like you know and it would just be a casting comment but you know that's interesting to think about our history as Asians and like you know the things that our families have gone through to make them be that way like to silence themselves so it's interesting that it can be just a comment but it does trace back to like you know our history and how people treat asian asian people in america um so that's just one thing that pops into my mind and just quickly um just that we're foreign and different people look at our last name and think Like, I'm not going to say that. Like, I'm not going to learn how to say that. And it's weird because people know the Nguyen way, the Vietnamese way. But with our Cambodian last name, people just are like, they just go like, how do you even say that? Like, you know, like they just like overreact. And that makes me so self-conscious about my name. And my name comes up all the time in school with teaching. And people brush it off. They'll kind of stumble over it like awkwardly in front of staff, they'll just pause and then say it, you know, so names is so important. So people out there, if you don't know how to say someone's name, just ask them. So um, those are some things that come to mind.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think we all resonate with things that you've said, um, especially about the name, like thinking Asians have been in America for so long, but people still are afraid or like, don't want to ask about how to pronounce someone's name. It's like so basic about your family name. But yeah, I had a similar struggle with, you know, being the quiet, good student, which I think, you know, is very limiting to Asians because we're not just that, like we're all very unique and have our own histories and perspectives. And for me, I think a lot of that was like pressure or expectations from my family. Definitely perpetuate that, but it does, you know, create that harmful stereotype again, or yeah, like I'm emphasizing it again. Um, So I, you know, I believe that we should be more than just that stereotype. Like we all have unique things about us.
0: Yeah. And even though like you, we've mentioned that we're we grew up quiet and shy, like, I don't, I don't see that, like with any of you, (laughs) I think that you're all pretty outspoken or maybe you're like, we're constantly evolving or coming out of our shells.
2: For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing um, is I've always felt like to be that good, you know, ideal Asian girl, like I've always had to hide failures or shortcomings I've had, like I just not enough for some people or maybe I'm too loud nowadays, but it just feels like that's another thing I like that is harmful to us. Is like, we have to be able to be genuine and say like we do fail sometimes but we get back up and work hard
1: and that affects (laughs) our mental health and how we feel about ourselves if we just don't ever want to fail and it's important to make mistakes yeah so thank you for sharing kathy how about for you ferda
3: um well i have i have two that comes to mind one stereotype that i've come across about asians is that all asians are racist. While it's not wrong that racism is an issue within our communities, I do believe that it is inaccurate to paint all Asians under the same brush because there are Asians who are very much aware that there is racism in our community and are actively fighting against that. So the reason why I want to point that out, because it's dangerous, um, when when people outside Mm -hmm. of our communities think that well, you know what all Asians are racist. And the difficult thing about that is that it's not they're not wrong. There are people within our community that are that way. But at the same time, not everyone in our community is that way. And so that kind of just painting everybody under the same you know brush stroke or whatever you call it, I think it's dangerous. Uh, it's so dangerous. And the other stereotype that I do want to, kind of point out is um, it happened to me personally um, is that when somebody who is not Asian, um, they meet me for the first time and then they get to know me over time. They're so surprised by the things that I know about, the knowledge that I know about or the interests that I have. And I would ask them, why does this surprise you? Yeah. And they see that I'm Asian and I'm supposed to Like X Y Z, but then when I when they find out or they learn that I like, you know, D F G H I, they're like, "But you're Asian. How do you know about this? Yeah. How do you know about this? I would never imagine you knowing about this, or liking this." And I'm like, "I'm not a monolith, bro." Yeah. Right. Asians are not a monologue. Like, people can like whatever they this. want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's because don't be fooled by, you know, certain things yeah. that you know about a group of people yeah. thinking that, oh, my God, how do you know? And it's just like their mind is just like mind blown. But, you know, that's that's what I've experienced.
1: At least you can teach them, you know, that you can like other things. But it's kind of a weird yeah. <laughs> situation to be in. Yeah. It's
0: like they make certain assumptions about a certain group, Mm -hmm. and then if they find out that you're more than that, it just completely shocks them. It's not how it should be. You know, we're all unique individuals. I
1: like that you raised up how things are not absolute. Like, we can't say all people are this, all people are that, because that's not the case. Like, there's so so much diversity. Um, Some people are educated in, in other ways. So I think, yes, in any cultural group, racial group, there are racist people in there or there are people who are racist. And all of us are. We all have implicit biases. So yeah, I agree. We should get to know people on a deeper level than assuming things.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to bring up something new because sometimes we always (laughs) repeat things and we don't realize that we're sharing the same stories because of how many episodes (laughs) we've recorded so far. But I do want to bring up that the idea of how Asian women are hyper-sexualized, fetishized, and marginalized. And this was something that I didn't really realize until I think when I went to college, I started getting more exposure to different kinds of people you know, from all over the world. Back then, I thought it was an okay thing um, for women to be seen, especially Asian women, to be mm-hmm. seen as attractive. Therefore, we're more accepted into society. And I'd hear comments about Asian women, how we're perceived to be, you know, quiet, obedient, subservient, like as a housewife, but then wild and exotic in bed. And I feel like in Hollywood and American media, you know, they've created these sexualized narratives of, quote unquote, the China doll or dragon lady. And if you think back to movies like Rush Hour, you'll see Asian women being portrayed as sex objects. And seen in Asian massage parlors and, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the term giving happy endings, and I've always heard that growing up. In addition, there's also a long and complicated history of women being vulnerable to violence um, by white imperialism through rape and war. And even when our Mm -hmm. own mom talked about living in the refugee camps, that she was scared of getting raped by foreigners. Um and that was a constant fear for a young Asian woman growing up in those refugee camps during the war. You know with that, like I do want to share a specific example that happened to me. and it was something that I buried deep within my memories because when traumatizing experiences happen to me, I usually try to forget about them mm-hmm. and move on. Um, that's just how I cope. With things, Uh, Right after college, I worked at a private club that was literally full of rich white males. And I will not say the name of this place. I know all of you know where this place is, Um, but I got used to getting harassed. And there was one instance where I gave a tour um, of this prestigious club to a prospective member, and he was a white male. And when I showed this individual around the facility, when I got to the overnight suites, he sat on the bed and asked if I'd be interested in dating him. Wow. And he said it in a low voice, like, oh, this is, this is something that's meant to be between the two of us. Because moments earlier, he had told me he had a wife and kids. And I was, I, was, I think I was 19, uh, 20 at this yeah, time. Yeah. Um, and right after he said that, like, yeah. I was just in shock. Because when moments like that happen, like I don't know how to deal with conflict. Like I don't know how to manage around around a situation mm-hmm. like that. Um, and luckily, you know, during that awkward silence, someone opened the door, and it was the front desk manager, and he saw what happened, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry," or he said something, "Are you okay?" And then he like, and I was like, "Oh, fine." And then closed the door, and then we like walked out. But I'm really glad that that happened. Yeah. Um, because okay. it disrupted the conversation. I immediately reported this to to my manager, but you know what? He didn't report it Mm. to his superiors and no one really knew about it. And then I just kind of- Were you alone?
1: Just you and him? Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. That's scary. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think that I would need to even fear Mm. for my safety at work. Like people are supposed to be there to protect you when you're working. But, and that's something that I didn't really like uncover because- until I thought about this episode that we were doing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. that happened to me. And I feel like when you're so used to being hypersexualized and these moments don't register to you as red flags um, because you've been desensitized to them. And what I've realized is that Asian women live in fear every day, and that's a reality. And like, it didn't quite click to me how dangerous this narrative is until now. But I don't think I've even shared this with, with no. any of you.
1: Yeah, I knew, I remember how stressful it was to work at that place, but you never told me about this, so I'm glad, you know, that you were safe, and I just hope that, I don't know, whoever he is knows that that's not okay, but who knows if he probably did that to someone else, you know, scary.
3: Mm -hmm. I was going to say, if I may just interrupt for one second, the moment you said that, Melissa, I was like, how come you never told me this? Uh-huh. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. How come you never told me this, girl? I, I like, wait a minute. When things happen to me, like I feel
0: like I always just try to handle it myself, you know, and not burden someone else. See that's the thing. It shouldn't have to be that way. I know.
1: Yeah. Now yeah, I know that, then. but
0: I was just in my yeah. early twenties. I didn't really know any better. Yeah. And I didn't think of these as like really top mm-hmm. priority issues because I think during that time we were also going through a tough time, like yeah. our own, own family, like with my parents divorce. I went through mm-hmm. a bad breakup. Yeah. There's just so much going on, you know, that I thought it was just something that I could just yeah. brush off and move on. Completely understand that. And
1: that's a whole nother thing that your manager didn't even report it. That's not how it should be. So I'm glad you're not working there anymore. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing about that like that's not easy to share and as you were sharing that like look at you you're so strong like you didn't like the fact that you were open to share that with us and relive that experience that takes a lot so um we appreciate that melissa and i'm sure some maybe people here or listening to the podcast might have experienced something like that and yeah know that you're not alone make sure that you have at least one person in your life that you can reach out to um because Yeah, you don't want to, we we don't want something to happen to you and no one will know about it. Yeah,
0: and as sad as it is, I feel like we always need to carry Mm -hmm. a weapon with us, Mm -hmm. like a pepper spray or like some sort of, I don't know, they make those keychains where you can like, like stab Mm -hmm. someone Mm -hmm. if they're trying to attack you. More than ever, you know, we need to put Mm -hmm. ourselves first and and watch out for other people.
1: I agree. It's not the mental space you want to have, but if something happens, to fight back we have to fight back. So Mm -hmm. with things that are happening that we've shared from our lives and on the news, I was curious about this question. If a stranger glanced at you, so if you were just walking outside in public, what would you want them to know about you um, and your family's story? And the idea with this question is to get people to think about how we are all going through life, you know, like people have dreams and goals and, you know, they have, they built so much in their life. And to take that away is not fair. Um, and if we have more, if we humanize each other more, maybe that can help to stop this racism hate. Because if you know somebody, then I feel like it's less likely that you'll do anything to harm them because you know them well. So, Kathy, could you share first? And you can take this question however you like, but what would you want people to know about you?
2: If there was a stranger who looked at me and like could learn about me, I would want them to know that I'm a big sister. I have two amazing siblings that I want to help um, with their life journeys. I'm a loving daughter, hard worker, um, and I want to start a family in the future. And uh, that I <laughs> still early if you <laughs> want you. to, if you want yeah. to, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you want to out there, not, not everyone has to. It's okay. <laughs> um, and that I care a lot about social justice. Like it's something I've been really passionate about since middle school. Like I actually learned what a hate crime was in my seventh grade social studies class. And I always mm-hmm. remember that because that was so impactful to, for me. And it's something that I really strive to, like, continue learning about, trying to help people out, and just, um, like, make people more aware about, you know, their biases and how we can be more loving to each other, basically.
1: Wow, I didn't, I don't think I ever learned about hate crimes. So that's great that you had a head start. And even more important, Kathy, when you shared that, it's important to have, to have these conversations with our kids, Mm-hmm. Right in our teens, so that when you grow older, you can face these issues and have language to, to think through these things. Um, thank you so much, Kathy. How about for you, Melissa? Um, what would you want people to know about you?
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to know everyone's story um, to learn more about who they are, and it gives you a deeper appreciation for them. And for me, this varies. So if I'm in a business setting. I want a stranger to see me as their equal, that I belong, and that so I'm competent. I'm yeah. And if I'm in a public setting, like if I'm at the store or at the airport, I just want people to see me as a friendly and interesting person, and I always have that desire to share my family's story with anyone that I meet, but yeah, I think it's always important to to learn more about people, especially with the six Asian women who were, you know, recently murdered. I am always curious, you know, about their story.
1: And I think that's what makes the statistics hurt more is to think about that's one person's life. And I think sometimes with the news, you can kind of desensitize, desensitize to it because you'll just see the numbers, but you won't really think about who they were. And, and it breaks my heart to read about, like, what their communities had to say about them, what their families had to say about them, and how much more life they could have lived and the impacts they could have made. And, um, but I think it's important to learn. And it even fuels the fire to, like, just not make it happen more. But yeah. How about for you, Ferda? What would you want people to know about you?
3: That I have a lot of insecurities, just like many of us. And that I am firstly passionate about healing and that that I am full of, it's really hard for me to say this, but I am, that I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of things. I'm not expecting that any stranger is just going to like, boom, know all those things about me, but just know that, you know, there are things that I am struggling with and that, you know, that's one thing. And then two, I... Love my daughter with all of my heart. And yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that.
1: Thanks for sharing, Ferda. And I hope that through therapy and through conversations like these, that can help heal you. And um, I admire you so much for how strong of a person you are. And as a mother, that's so much to, so much responsibility to make sure that you can raise your child and making sure that that they feel supported. and But with, with that, it comes with you having to put her first before yourself. And that takes a lot of selflessness. Um, and I really admire that. I mean, we said it before, but you're such an amazing mom. Yeah, I'm sure she'll like look up to you so much as she gets to know you more as she grows up. And I'm glad that Melissa reconnected with you and um, yeah, and through friendship, I hope that you feel supported by us. Um, yeah, so if there's anything you need, let us know. I guess for me, I would want people to know that I'm a positive person that wants to help other people and spread love. So wherever I go, um, whether that's in my family, with my friends, with my students or staff. Um, yeah, I want to be remembered in my lifetime as someone who made a difference in others' lives. So when they look back and think about my life, like they'll just think about the things that I did to help. I would also want people to know how strong and resilient the Khmer Asian American Pacific Islander community is. And I wish more people knew about the challenges and the sacrifices that we've made, that our families have made. And like I've shared before, it's easy to hate other people when you don't know them in your stories. and our families, in the Khmer families, um, our parents overcame one of the most gruesome human tragedies ever with the Khmer Rouge And if my parents and elders go out in public, before anyone causes or thinks about causing harm to them, can you just stop to think about who are they, what is their story, and how are we connected? Because, yeah, it's just, would you kill your own mom and dad, you know what I mean? Or would you kill your teacher? Or, you know, I just think those people don't consider other people in that way, and we need to think about these things. We need to have everyone, including white families, to have these conversations about race um, and about empathy and compassion. That way, we can ensure that kids don't grow up with the notions of hate and violence towards people who look different from them. And I'm saying that because we can't do much to change Grown ups' thinkings, like the way they grew up is the way they grew up, but that's why I keep thinking forward to the future. I'm like with Ferdo's child and like my students, like they're going to grow up and we want them to be prepared when they enter this world full of this, you know? And if we can help them be those leaders, then maybe our like world will move towards a better direction. Um, so I think it's really hard to change people in the way that they are right now. Um, And I wish there's something we can do, but if they're going out doing whatever they want, getting away with it, like it's just gonna keep happening. It's gonna let other white supremacists know that they can do that too. And it's just frustrating and it's hard to stop like that. And yeah, I think I try to focus on the youth, you know, like how can we empower them to be ready to handle these situations? Um, Yeah, so those are my... Thoughts on that question?
0: Thank you, Jasmine. I really appreciate posing that question to all of us (laughs) and also for being an educator and teaching kids how to be anti-racist because growing up, we didn't have that type of education. So definitely extremely important. The next question is, when have you personally experienced or witnessed a racist action or comment the action or comment could have implicit and or explicit. And what do you do in the situation?
3: Yes, I do have something to share with about that. Um, this was back when I was in community college. And you know, I was in a small town. Well, relatively depends on how you look at it. Um And there was, this was somebody that I knew from college and we weren't best friends. We weren't even friends like that. It was just a matter of like, oh, we were in the same club and we knew the same people. And this was on Facebook. And so I believe he added me on Facebook and this was a white guy. And, um, I was, I was, I was just hanging out with my friends on Facebook and I was browsing, just browsing, you know, Tumblr was, you know, Tumblr was the thing back in the day. And I noticed that I got a message, um, a Facebook message, and he was online and it was coming from him. And what he said was, hey, I have a hard on right now and I'm watching porn. You want to come over? That's so disgusting. I was extremely appalled. And I was extremely disgusted, and I said, "I was, I was speechless." And I was like, "No, yeah. I'm not interested." And that was all I managed to say. But in my head, I was just yeah. thinking of a, just a slew of things, and I couldn't, I couldn't voice them at the time. And it was, it was just extremely disgusting. And the next day. You know, he apologized again with the whole apology. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I am so disgusted by my action. I was drunk and I'm a good Christian boy. That's not the type of thing that I do. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope you don't see me differently. And I'm like, I'm like too late yeah, about yeah. that. And uh, he crossed yeah. the line. He can't right. just- Go back. And yeah. it didn't exactly, happen. and I was just like, <laughs> "No, you're disgusting." And either you know he proceeded to block himself, you know, like the trash checking itself out, or I blocked him. Mm. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, we stopped contacting each other. Uh, well, I wasn't. I was never contacting him. So let me let me rewind that. I was never contacting him.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, you know that was that. Uh, that was yeah. That was the end of that. And it really, like Melissa said, you know, when it was happening at the time, it didn't really dawn on me the depth of it. I just thought that maybe, okay, like, you know, he's just one of those perverted men. But, you know, it wasn't until recently that, like, I thought about that incident and I reflected on why he had the audacity to say what he said. Was it because of my race? Was it because of his perception of my race? Was it because of something else? I don't know. But it is a possibility that it had something to do with his perception of who he thought I was. Well, you know, she's, you know, she's Asian. She's probably easy. She's probably submissive. She's probably Mm going to say yes, you know, or any of those things or anything of that nature. And it just the audacity that, and I have so many other stories coming from the same group of people but I'm not going to go through them all.
0: Yeah
1: yeah that's
3: appalling and
0: I'm sorry had, you had to yeah. go through that
1: mm-hmm.
0: And it's like what what do you do in that situation because you don't know how they're going to react and especially if you see them in person or have the possibility to you kind of have to watch out for yourself.
1: Yeah I will share an implicit racist action or comment. And that's just the, where are you from question? And I can't remember the exact event, but there was an event where I went to where an older white man asked, where are you from? And I think that question is harmful. Sure, you can come from a good place of curiosity and want to know more about someone, but I think there's a different way you could ask that because when you ask that question, you Um, assume that that person's different from somewhere else. And if you explain, you know, I'm from Everett, Washington, like, they'll be like, where are you really from, though? You know what I mean? And with that question, it, it makes it, it's xenophobic. So... Because we're not white, we're foreign. We're from somewhere else. And I remember this white man, I said, you know, my family's from Cambodia. And then he proceeded to share a time when he visited Srokh-Mai and all the things that he did. And then that was the end of the conversation. So it's kind of, it felt kind of weird and inauthentic. And, and I think if you're curious about someone and their story, you could ask it in a different way. You could ask, what's your family story? Or, you know, like, how is it like growing up? You know, I don't think you should ask, where are you from? Because guess what? I'm from here. (laughs) Like, I'm from America. I was born here. And just because I'm brown doesn't mean, like, I don't know. I just feel like people should be more open-minded about that. And I know people come from a good place when they ask that. But I think it's another reminder for everyone to consider the words that you say and how other people might feel about it. Um, because if you ask that question, it can make someone feel like they don't belong here, or or they're different or weird. And there's like a book called Where Are You From? And it's about a Latina girl um, and her grandpa walking through the valleys. And he tells her, this is where we're from. We're from the hills, we're from the mountains, we're from our food, you know. So it's beautiful how we can be proud of who we are and where we come from, but we don't have to explain it to other people if you don't want to, you know? And people don't have to like force you to share things that you don't want to share. Um, so those are, um, that's something that I just wanted to bring up because POC people get that a lot. Um, how about for you, Kathy? Um, When have you experienced or witnessed a racist action or comment?
2: Um, I definitely connected with what Ferda shared in, <laughs> in- I've had similar people joking about that sort of thing and where when I was younger, I probably would have like, you know, nervously laughed it off uh, because I didn't know what to do. It's like, that's my defense mechanism. But like now if I hear that, I know I can just walk away because I've done that once. Like I literally get out of that situation. Um, But the one thing that I have witnessed is with my parents is because um, they're both um, Vietnamese American. They immigrated from Vietnam. English is their second language. So when they speak English, they have a pretty heavy accent and maybe their grammar is not perfect. So I can see, um, I've seen, especially in like public places where people will get angry or frustrated with them because they it's harder for them to understand them and that's made me feel like anxious and scared sometimes it's like it's not safe for them sometimes around um, and it's not their fault I mean that's English was their second language Um, they even took classes but still that doesn't help um, prevent that type of behavior from other people
0: yeah, and sometimes it makes me frustrated seeing, like, the other party and how they react. Sometimes they'll, like, speak even louder and slower mm-hmm. yeah. in English. And it's like, okay, that's not helping the situation. You know, you're yeah. just yeah. kind of talking down on them and, and yeah. shaming them. But, yeah, thank you for sharing that experience. And that must have been really hard to witness because you, you want to be there to help them always, but and you don't know how how other people treat them and you want Mm -hmm. to make it right. You want to speak up and let them know, you know, that's not okay to treat them that way.
1: And for anyone who thinks a POC with broken Mm -hmm. English is like lesser, stop to think about how they actually know more languages than you. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) They can communicate with so many more people than you. A lot of POCs come here with, well, some of them come with education in their own home countries that don't transfer here. So they're actually a lot more educated and a lot more um, cultural than you are. And, and sometimes they have to take up jobs that are um, service jobs in other kinds of jobs, but that doesn't mean that they're lesser. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much more to the story back at their home country. So people should also consider that too.
0: Yeah, and if you think about it, Asian accents are not desirable. As compared to like British and Australian accents, yeah. You know, so there's also that perception.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I'm glad that you're talking with your parents and helping them think through these situations. Cause maybe back then when we were growing up, they didn't. They just accepted how things are. But we're also learning ourselves to speak up and also helping our family speak up more. I think our mom is also seeing our things on social media and she's kind of learning with us too, which is great. We need. Well, I mean, in Kamai we say "gai gai," like our you know in my culture they're like sharp they're direct you know and if anyone messes with us mm, like you know what i mean so i guess we <laughs> have to let our families know like if you need to attack or something like be ready because <laughs> i look at okay i look at the things that people do on the news and it's like if you were raised in our family you would have gotten like you know yeah you would have got you would have learned you would have learned
0: earlier <laughs> With our parents generation maybe it's what they've come to accept um, as a trade-off for mm. living in the US yeah. like okay well being mistreated this way that's just just that's just um, in exchange for my freedom and you know the opportunities here in America
1: and they're grateful
0: and they're grateful for it so they don't want to um, Mess it up. challenge that yeah um, but for us being you know in the second generation, that's not okay with us and we feel more comfortable, more confident to speak up
3: about things that are unjust. I'm so glad that you brought that up and, um, and really shared that perspective. I think it really is powerful because I don't think that a lot of people think about it that way. People outside of our communities, they think that, oh, well, you know, like these Asians, with an S at the end, Uh, well, you know, they came here, they chose to come here, and that's on them, but, you know, like, every group of people have their struggle, and the things that our parents go through or went through, it didn't come with a manual. The sacrifices they made, it didn't come with a manual, and they had to you know, take the hits, take the sacrifices in order for their family to, you know, either be in a safe place or, you know, be successful, that they wouldn't be elsewhere. And it is, it is such a heavy thing for any parent to go through and bear the brunt of. And, Yeah, so uh, I do want to uh, really thank Melissa for, you know, bringing up that perspective. And our parents go through a lot. And it's, we came here by choice, yes. But some, you know, some of us, or some of our parents, like yours, Jasmine and Melissa, had to escape something that was extremely atrocious. Mm -hmm. So you know what I mean? Like, they came here by choice, Mm -hmm. because they had to leave someplace else that was just not livable. (laughs) So there is absolutely nothing wrong with coming here by choice. And I, yeah, Yeah. I I told you, I told you I would get riled Mm -hmm. up.
0: Well, thank you for the
3: yeah, that made me like get that made me tear up. I out. saw it,
0: but that made me tear up um, because yeah. thinking about, oh, man, I, always, I cry so much.
1: Sometimes
0: <laughs> um, okay. okay we need to, so it's okay. No, just thinking about like everything our families went through like our yeah. parents, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles like everything they went through,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like to work hard for us. And then and now to not feel safe. Yeah. Like, they, they don't feel safe to go out in public. They can't mm-hmm. even go to the grocery store. They can't even walk outside.
3: I always get, like, emotional thinking about our families. And mm-hmm. I just want to add briefly onto that. Like, something that my brother pointed mm-hmm. out to me, you know, we were talking just even before this whole thing erupted. Something that he pointed out about my dad. And, you know, my dad is one of the smartest people I know. One of the smartest people I know, he can solve things so quickly. And he, he fixes things around the house without a manual, uh, you know, calling plumbers or anything like he, that's just what he does. Like he just gets it. You have an automotive problem, he knows exactly how to fix it. Um, but he is one of the more intelligent yeah. people I know. And one of the things, something that <laughs> my brother said to me, he's like, you know, dad sacrificed his entire life like future for us and you know from from a very you know outside of super or superficial perspective that you know sounds like a generic statement well yeah of course and then he added you know he became a CNA for life
1: mm-hmm.
3: for us he became something that was not that was something that he was not prepared for That was not, you know, in his, you know, foreseeable future at the time, but to do it for us. And now we just look up to him and, you know, and it makes me want to chase my dreams because my dad sacrificed his, I think he wanted to become a lawyer at one point and he sacrificed his dreams and now, you know, I'm, I'm I'm at a position where I can chase any dream I want. And you best believe that's what I'm going to do because my dad didn't come here for nothing. And he's in his 60s and he's still a CNA. He's still a CNA and he's in his 60s. Get that through your head, people. And that is the kind of sacrifice that he's making. And for all this mm. bullshit that goes down outside to some jerk that had a bad day and wants to start shooting people and eliminating eliminating families dreams lives Mm -hmm. i'm like you're just gonna wipe that entire thing off Mm -hmm. people that's why i'm i am grateful that you asked that question because it's like people are so filled with depth Mm -hmm. and volume and for some jerk to have a bad day wipe an entire story mm-hmm. of somebody well not wipe because we're going to remember them Boo-hoo. right but for them to just eliminate somebody yeah a mother a daughter
1: yeah
3: a father at the yeah. there was one man that was a victim as well
1: mm-hmm.
3: it just makes me so angry like <laughs> the things <laughs> oh God, like, I can- and that father I that father was
0: arrested while his wife Late dying he was mistakenly arrested
1: wow i didn't know that part of the story (sighs)
3: it's just something like an entire legacy that somebody built and somebody
1: just comes along and tries to it's a senseless death like everyone should just die from natural causes you know and this is this shouldn't have happened and i wish there's a way that we can erase it because it's saddening to hear, I think the son of a mom shared a statement saying how he's going to have to take care of the, the other sibling and he's going to have to move the house um, and just figure it out. And he doesn't even have time to grieve about it. Like he just has to be the older sibling and figure it out. And that's traumatizing as well to not be able to grieve and like time, have time to process that. And thinking about how that child's life, how that's child's life is going to go because now he has to take care of the, ba- the baby, you know? So of the younger sibling. It's just crazy. People don't think about these things. And I don't, for the families whose sons in, yeah, who whoever's families these are, you are responsible to talk to your kids about these things before it gets to this point. Mm-hmm. Because you have a responsibility to stop Like, as a parent, you teach right and wrong. So it's just really amazing how, how it got to this point and how they think it's okay. And I wish our system did a better job at providing consequences. And yeah, it's just, thank you for bringing that up, Frida, because everyone, because our families have built up so much, and that's the frustrating thing about them being killed like this, because now those families aren't going to be able to see their kids grow up and have families if they want to, um, like, live through their life. Like, our, I know our parents want to see us succeed and, you know, have a house, have family, if you want to, um, you know, be happy. And to take that away, like, if, if our parents were gone tomorrow, they worked up They worked up their whole life and they won't be able to see our futures, you know? So it's just really frustrating. Um, it's just senseless. Like, why do we have to have deaths that don't need to happen? You know what I
0: mean? They're absolutely preventable. Yeah. Any hate crime. And like you said, you got to check your, your biases and any biases that go unchecked, this is what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it brings up a lot of emotions, and yeah, I definitely empathize with each of you, and I, I'm at a point where I, like, I, I don't, I've just been through so many emotions, but right now I just feel a lot of anger, you know, and at this point, it needs to stop. Like, I'm not crying right now because I'm just angry about it, you know, just, yeah, just hate and violence need to stop for anybody you wouldn't want this to happen to you, so why would you do it to someone else? And Melissa, do you feel in a good place to share about a racist act or comment? Uh, um, that was yeah. the question that we
0: were on. I know we got really, really deep. So I worked at a call center and there was maybe a handful of Asians on working on the same floor. And we clearly looked different from one another. Like We could tell each other apart, but um, maybe other people have trouble. So this other colleague of mine she's half filipino half white and i'm Kmai, and we always get mistaken for each other all the time like i think it happened a couple times a week every week for four years wow. and we had the same like long hair um but sometimes we will have different highlights mm-hmm. for some reason no one could tell us apart so and <laughs> it would happen so frequently. How anytime, do you I walk, do that? anytime I walked down the hallway, coming out of a conference room, someone would always call me like her name. And then she always gets called my name. Um, and I w- would brush it off thinking, I'm like, okay, well, this is this is annoying, but okay. <laughs> it's just crazy to me how this is such a an issue. <laughs> and this happens all the time where people can't tell Asians apart for some reason, but we all clearly look different from one another. Um, and I know this is not like a big <laughs> example, but
2: it's just something no, that, that, that happens in sexy. our everyday lives.
1: Yeah, you know? it's implicit.
2: Yeah, it's still important to, to fight against because you are your own person and so is the other coworker that you had. And If they knew you on a deeper level, they probably wouldn't get you confused, I would hope.
1: In the decency to do that, you know, if you respect someone, you look at their face. Like what? So then, yeah, I tried to change up my
0: style, but then they still confused. No, us. you don't have to do that.
1: You don't need to do that, girl.
3: Yeah. No, girl. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's their issue. Is yeah, I think at one point I was like, "What makes you think we look so alike? Like we're two different races?" Yeah. Yeah, I just had no clue, and I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to react to the situation or yeah. how to make it better. Yeah. It's like up to them to like make that effort to remember to tell us apart.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well that's annoying. But we hear that a lot. Another stereotype. Asians look the same. Asians have eyes. Uh, but we're all different. We come in different shapes and sizes and yeah. I hope that never happens again, because that's really frustrating. I'll be like, this is me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that just shows their attitude about you, you know? Like they didn't care to really learn more and yeah, they didn't correct their mistakes. For me, if I get someone's, if I meet someone and I forget their name, like I ask them again, you know? And then I remember for the next time. So that's just appalling that that happened. Um, Okay, well, (laughs) well, thank you ladies for staying a little bit longer. I'm glad that we got to go deep with the issues that we've been seeing and facing. And for this final question, we want you to share any last words and it could be, sorry, it can be regarding anything um, that we shared today or it can be things that we didn't share today because there were so many different questions we could have asked, but we chose these ones to kind of get people to understand our stories and how we're feeling right now. Um, so you could share about the AAPI movement right now. You could share about um, more experiences that come to mind Um, What are some last words that you want to share with our listeners?
2: Yeah, I really just want to appreciate um, Melissa and Jasmine and Ferda just for having this space to talk and, you know, share our feelings and thoughts about everything that's going on. Um, Despite all the emotions, I do want to be positive and think about the good things that are happening right now with the movement. And just I hope those things continue and just trying to be more positive and spread that empathy to people. There was one page that I just learned about. I don't know if the rest of you know, but uh, Ali Mackey created this um, organization called Asian American Girl Club. So it's raising um, Asian American female voices. They do a book club and just sharing resources about that. So it's just something I learned about this week that I thought was really cool.
1: Girl Club, got it. Yeah, we'll have to look it up and follow them. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And appreciate you having on today. And I know like if we stay in a space where we're um just in a space where we're hurt and anger have anger and all of this, we have to think about what's the action, what can we do next? You know? And we tell people in our podcasts and on our Instagram, whatever small and big ways you can do to fight this fight, do it whatever that may mean. Like Kathy shared a resource that she's been, that she just found, or um, we shared about experiences that we've had things happen to us, but we didn't say something about it. So what could we do in those situations? Um, Yeah, so big ways and small ways we can fight this fight.
3: I would just say, you know, really stick together. There's definitely power in numbers and actively fight against racism, actively fight against hate in our communities, in other communities, for our, you know, our communities and for other communities as well, just, just actively fight against racism and white supremacy all across the board, you know, in and outside of our communities. So.
1: And that comes with educating ourselves, taking that step to be courageous, to be, to be um, just open about your biases and, You know, you have to challenge yourself to grow and it's uncomfortable, but we have to do it and it has to start with you. So people can send all these things and post all these things, but you have to take that step to learn more and to take action. Um, Thank you, Firda, and I'm glad that we can stick together. We can support each other. If anything happens, feel free to reach out to us because you should never feel like you're alone, you know? And I think another part, which we haven't really talked about on the podcast, but my scare, one of my worries in the world is um, if a family member or loved one committed suicide, you know? And that's just like, if mental health also goes unchecked, things like that could happen. And I feel like um, stories about suicide, is just very, it it strikes me to the core because, that person didn't feel like they could go to anybody, you know, and that's a situation we should never experience in our lifetime. So yeah, just know that, just find someone out there that makes you feel safe and that you can go to. Um, And racism is real, we shouldn't brush it off, you know? Even if it's a small thing, like we share some small acts of it, that's important too, because it, it, it builds up inside of us. So nothing is ever too small, like you need to talk about it with somebody. Um, Yeah, and so if you're, yeah, but we'll talk about that another time, but if you're feeling um, like you want to do harm to yourself or something like that, please find professional help. And I hope that you can talk with your family and friends and um, find someone that you can talk to about these things.
0: Um, And as I've been self-reflecting on these current issues, I'm aware of my own racial tendencies. Um, For example, I tend to make self-deprecating jokes when i'm in an uncomfortable situation like to ease the tension in the room or you know to laugh it off and move on but i know that these types of actions only add up and feed into you know the narratives and the stereotypes that become harmful to certain groups Um, so that's something that i am you know well aware of now that you know these minor actions and behaviors it only adds up, right? It only feeds into what is currently happening. So we have to like Mm -hmm. put an end to it. Um, So I'm, you know, committed to checking myself and also speaking up. And I just wanted to say that I enjoyed having this dialogue with you ladies today. And thank you so much for your courage to speak up and not staying silent about our issues. And it's so important for us to share our stories and experiences um, and it helps, you know, our listeners um, understand what we go through, like these challenges and the issues that we're going through. Because if we don't share them, no one's going to ever know, and no one's going to ever know our struggles. I have learned so much from you, and let's c- continue this dialogue. It shouldn't end here, and we want to encourage our listeners to do so.
1: And for my last words, I. Um, I'm just thankful for all of you for coming here today and being open to talk about this. It's still really fresh, like the news that we've been seeing over the weeks. And I just want people to continue learning about people who are different from them, um, being outraged as we are, um, and just finding ways that you can give back during this time. And I think it's easy for me to feel like the world is helpless, like it's always going to be corrupt and racism is always going to be there because our country was built on it. But I think um, through educating other people and ourselves, we can make we can make the effort to do something about it. Because if you don't, if we just say like, nothing's going to be fixed, we're just going to, it's going to be like this, then nothing will happen either, you know, I'd rather die and fight the fight than not do anything at all, you know? So it it speaks to the youth. It speaks to everybody if you do something, you know? Um, So I just encourage everybody to keep continuing having these conversations. And I think it's helpful to, to keep in your brain, like, what are you working on to stop hate and racism? Is that showing up at your workplace confident? Is it um calling out racism when you see it in action in public is it checking in on different people from you or like making friends with people who look different from you how does that look like to you and whatever it is you're helping you're helping make the world a better place and i think it's easy to feel like oh like i'm not out there protesting during this pandemic or i'm not like a community leader who's on the news or I'm not this and that, you know? But I think whatever actions you can do is gonna be helpful. And the very least, just acknowledging your own biases. Um, Yeah, so listeners, we hope that you found this episode to be meaningful and insightful. And we encourage you to continue amplifying your voices and sharing these types of stories to continue spreading awareness of what's happening to our AAPI communities. Um, As white allies, listen. Listen to people around you and ask questions because whether you believe it or not, white privilege is real. And you can deny that all you want, but it's happening and affecting everybody. Like the Khmer Rouge genocide happened because of the United States, because they bombed like Cambodia, you know? And so everything is always tied down to white European colonists. And um, yeah, just, just listen to people and learn more and be vulnerable about that. As Southeast Asian females, we want to show up and make it clear that we are not silent. We are not your model minority. So thank you for our listeners for learning with us today and and getting to know our struggles and challenges that we've been facing.
0: And listeners we'd love to know what you think of our podcast and this bonus episode. It only takes a few minutes to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and it helps to put our podcast on the map and for new listeners to discover who we are and you know all of these important stories that we're sharing and also learning from the amazing multicultural thought leaders that we bring on to our podcast. So if you want more of this type of content, be sure to follow us on our Instagram at Two American Sisters, or you can visit our website at Sisters.com. And we want to thank you all again, and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.